this morning uh, speaking here because according to the children in Costa Rica, they would have said no. <laughs> no, uh, nothing that causes stress. Well, it was a little like last Sunday I preached and uh, they asked me to preach there in Pennsylvania and I said that I had done that in Ohio the other week and uh, but I was uh, being disobedient because I was not supposed to do that. And uh, I said, anything that causes stress, I'm not supposed to do because of my condition. And he assured me that the people in Pennsylvania aren't as stressful as the ones in Ohio. <laughs> so uh, God's been good. He's been so good, I can't express my gratitude. To him, um, there's a verse in Jeremiah that cause, has caused, uh, called my attention. Jeremiah 10, that is 20, verse 23. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. That's true of old men, but beloved, I'm here to tell this morning, I believe we need to begin to recognize that that's every man's situation. No man in his human capacity and his abilities and intellect is able to order his own steps in the flesh. That's what we were listening to last night, I think, is to realize that we need to bring our lives in subjection to the will of God, not our own human inclinations and desires. And I'm just beginning to realize that all the more as we get older, how much we need the Lord and how little we can do, how incapable uh, we are of doing things that really count and are worthwhile in our own human strength and how we need to depend on the Lord. The uh, psalmist, Psalm 121, he said, I will lift mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. He realized that all his help comes from God. He went on to say, my help come, it wasn't from the hills. He said, my help cometh from the Lord. I just want to read a few verses there. I will lift mine eyes, up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heavens and earth. That all-wise God that Brother Mark was talking about last night and this week, I understand, that is capable of all that he created in the heavens and in the earth. And when we stop to just begin to contemplate that a little bit, if you, especially if you love the outdoors and you love the things of creation, the, the nature, we would say, we see the impossibility of the human mind being able to form and create anywhere, anything near to what God has done and is doing. Man is still baffled <clears throat> with... Um, these intricate little details that God has created. 
uh, in us, in our own bodies, and in those things around us. The psalmist says, he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. Um, I'm not seeing too well my glasses. I blame it on the glasses. Uh, He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Day and night, anywhere, any circumstance, our God is there. He's real, and we can call upon him. And uh, those of us who know him, we have experienced the blessing of calling on God and him meeting our needs. Maybe not always, many times not the things we would have preferred, but the really being able to recognize that he has met our need, the thing we needed the most, whether we knew it or not. He, he knows how to meet those things. And he doesn't suffer, uh, he doesn't suffer our foot to be moved. He can keep us. I was thinking of that message last night and the challenge that was given to young people. I'd like to encourage you, God can keep you. If you let him, he's going to keep your feet from those paths that don't result for the best. And behold, he keepeth Israel he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper, and the Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. Jesus, when he was talking to this woman, uh, he had been talking to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, and the disciples had gone into the city to uh, supposedly buy food for the noon meal. And when uh, they came back out to where Jesus was, the woman had gone in to the city to tell the men, it says, that uh, she had, uh, if this was the Messiah, that had told her everything that she had ever done. And uh, disciples came back to Jesus uh, and... uh, Jesus told them, uh, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Um, Excuse me. I have meat to eat that you know not of. Then the disciples said, well, did somebody give him something to eat? And then Jesus again responded, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And my challenge this morning is, oh God, that we could, all of us, our meat, our greatest satisfaction, our greatest hunger and thirst would be to do the will of him that's called us. Uh, There's no greater joy in life than to be in the center of God's will, being assured that we're where God wants us and we're doing what God wants us to do. That's for all Christians, young and old. To experience the joy of being in the will of God, there's no greater joy. And there's no greater safety uh, than being in the will of God. That's where we can be assured that he's going to keep us. He's not going to slumber. He's not going to sleep. And then Jesus said to his disciples, he said, lift your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Now, I think it's Adam Clark that 
makes the comment in his commentary that possibly by this time the men of the city were coming, the woman had spoken to them and the men were coming out from the city to where Jesus was. And these men in that hot climate were dressed in, their clothing were basically white and they were coming out, the group of men, to see Jesus, whether he was the Messiah and he, Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. There they come. Uh, souls that need to be saved, need to know God. They need to know the Messiah. And, you know, our problem is, our biggest problem today and has been, human problem is that we have our eyes so low. We're looking down. We're looking at the things of this earth and the things that pass away. And they draw our eyes down, and we get so attached to these things. But Jesus is calling us, and David said, I do lift up. I will lift up my eyes into the hills. I'll lift them up above these earthly things, and I'll look to God. And by his grace, I will serve him. That way our path can be directed by God in the right way, and not in uh, the human Oh, when we as humans make our plans, we're so often affected by the earthly things. And they dim our vision of the heavenly things. And uh, the challenge that I'd like to leave this morning and to all of us is that we lift up our eyes above these earthly passing things and get them on the heavenly things. The Apostle Paul said to the Colossians, is if you, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, for Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. There, that's those things that are eternal. Set your affections on things above and not on the things of this earth. How foolish we are. So often our affection, I, I still, I haven't, got out of that stage. Uh, you know, I, I, it seems silly to you, I'm sure, but I, in my old age, I began raising dogs, puppies. And you know, I struggle with not getting my affections on those little puppies. Now, you can just laugh about it. That's all right. Uh, maybe I'm getting old and childish. I don't know, but those little dogs, they just, they're so affectionate. They're so cute. They're so... You know, I just think every boy needs a dog. Uh, and uh, so I, I, I have to struggle with that, that I allow those, that, those little things to take my time and my interest. And uh, being retired more or less of my ministerial responsibilities and so on, I began to maybe, but my puppies, I can't neglect them, you know, I've got to look after my puppies. Huh? Um, so I just, in, in all of our lives, I believe, I don't think I need to make any exceptions. I think in all of our lives there are those areas where we are tempted and drawn, our affections drawn down on things of this earth. But here the apostle says, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sits on the right hand of God, where we can expect to spend eternity in the glories of God. 
for your life is hid with Christ in God, he says, as Christians. Let's remember that. Our life is, in, is hid in Christ. It's his. Now being dead to the things that pass away and are earthly. God bless you this morning. He has blessed me already, and he has blessed us in these last, yesterday we had such a blessed time. And I know it's a lot to do with relative, but it's precious to be with family, especially when we have one common goal and interest, and we're concerned about the kingdoms of God. It's so good to be together, and it's good to be here. Uh, so many of our family connections are here. I can still remember back uh, years ago when I, Ernest and Lavina, uh, Ernest, he was sort of a hero in my life. He, he was instrumental in le leading me to the Lord. I don't know, he probably doesn't remember, but I remember the day that, the, the day before the night when I was converted we were sitting down on the buggy by the dairy barn, and I was burdened. I was so sick of my life, and I was burdened about it. And didn't seem to know the answers. I should have, but it didn't seem like I could find the answers. And I asked Ernest. I opened up to him in a way that I didn't tell anybody else. Ask him, well, how can you know that you're saved? And Ernest explained to me in simple language. He said, it's just believing in Christ and what he's done for us. That next morning, about 2 o'clock in the morning, I, or i guessing, of course, the burden of sin became so heavy, so real, I couldn't sleep. I was afraid. I wasn't ready to die. I finally fell down beside my bed. On my knees in my ignorance and cried out to God. And I've said, I oft, I've often said, I think I said everything backwards. You know, we all got our plan, you know. You confess and you repent and you believe. It's a one, two, three, four, five step. But I didn't know that. And I said everything backwards, I believe. But God spoke peace to my heart. The next morning, as I went out to do my work, it was a drudge to me. It was a, had been as I was going out toward the barn. And sun was shining. It was summertime, and it was I'd never seen the grass so green and the sunlight so beautiful. All of us, things had changed. And when I thought all the world was against me and I was no good, nobody liked me. Uh, I was sort of an outcast. Or, and I was. I was rebellious. I, I made my own reputation. I know that. But that morning, all at once, I remembered, you know, really, my parents loved me. My sisters loved me, my brothers. And the people really cared about me. All at once, things changed. Uh, and I began to feel and experience in my heart the love of God. I failed him many times in my life since, but still here I want to keep on until the last, keep looking up. Let's pray for each other. We
just may the Lord bless all of you as we go on further in the service. I don't know, would you want to stand in prayer? Could we? Loving Heavenly Father this morning, we again are humbled in your presence, recognizing that we're not able to order our own steps. We don't have the capacity, no, we don't have the intelligence or the, the intellect to, and the preparation uh, to make our own steps, or decide our own steps. So we realize more and more that you're the one who overrules and we want to be in your perfect will, O oh God. Just give us grace. Bless this service today. Give us grace, each one of us, that we can just humble ourselves and lift up our eyes, knowing that our help and direction comes from you and that you will keep us and that you will make us fruitful in your kingdom. Father, continue to bless the service here, bless the brethren here, bless this congregation, all the family that's here together. We just pray that we could be drawn closer to you and be faithful until you come. For the fields indeed are harvest, there's so much uh, white to harvest, and there's so much to do. Help us to have a burden and a compassion and not allow earthly things to draw our attention. Father, may you be glorified in our lives. So we pray with thanksgiving and praise. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Good morning. May the Lord bless you. My precious to sing that song. I need thee. When Leon asked me, I don't know, a couple of weeks or months ago to do two sessions Sunday morning, I surely believe in working the guy, um, <clears throat> he told me the first session wouldn't necessarily have to be a message. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how he said it. And so the Lord laid on my heart just to tell a story this morning. <clears throat> And the story I, I dedicate especially to the youth, sort of a continuation of what we had last night. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's got some lessons in it for all of us, but especially for youth. And I'm going to write some, some names on the blackboard just to help us maybe as I cite names, you know who I'm talking about. Some of you have read the book, The Death of the Saloon, and I'm not promoting the book, but if you have, this is our descendants of Teodolinda. Sorry for you over there, you're not going to be able to see it. over here that can't see that. Something I've, I'd like to encourage us all is to stop and think and look at things, not only what happens in one day, 
or one week or one year. We can learn a lot by looking at time and looking at how things happen. What I have, what we have here on the blackboard, Teodolinda passed away Saturday. At last, the Lord answered her prayer. She's been praying for years that the Lord would take her home to heaven. She's asked me so often to pray for her that she could go home. It's 100 years old now she went home. She had a son, Luis, and if you read the book, he's in the book. I'm not going to talk much about that. But Luis had a daughter. And I'd like to look, and especially young people, I'm just going to tell the story, but the idea is that we can see the results of decisions, of choices. Luis had a daughter. Well, I've got that backwards there. Actually, Antonio's the oldest one. Antonio is a co-pastor I work with at home. Um, and then he had a daughter, Lilian. I'd like to talk about Lilian Force first. Before Antonio was converted, Lilian came to church a while. Just a young girl, I forget how old she was then, maybe 18, 19, I'm not sure. I remember so well one day I preached a sermon. I don't remember what I preached, but while I was preaching, I saw her sitting back there crying, tears running down her cheeks. So after church, I, my wife and I talked with her, and she gave her life to the Lord. Beautiful. And she came to church after that with joy. She'd bring her Bible along. She has a real knack for music. She'd come and she'd have put music to the, to the memory verses for Sunday school. She'd sing them. She'd put music to the, to the memory verses and sing them. And she has, in the beginning, had such a joy in the, in, the, in the Lord. It was such a joy to see her. But um, I recall one day sitting at our table, we were eating lunch together, and um, I think she was helping my wife with some work or something. Anyway, we were sitting at the table, and I was aware of the possibilities of her getting sidetracked, especially as a lot of young people do with, with an infatuation with someone. And I remember so well telling her, Lillian, you know, if you can wait on the Lord and serve the Lord and put the Lord first in your life, the Lord will bless you. The Lord can bless you with a good husband and a good home. And she drank that in. She, she understood, I think. But you know, not long after that, the very thing I had talked to her about happened. She became infatuated with this young man. And you know how that goes. You just, this man just makes me so happy. I think I'm going to be happy with this man forever. Well, the first man, actually, boy, didn't turn out. That sort of, but she left the church. She didn't come back. She left the Lord Jesus for the love of a man. There was one, then he dropped her, and then there was another one. And I remember when she got married, and I, she thought she had found the man of her dreams. But since neither him nor her loved the Lord, they did not put the Lord first. First was looking out for themselves for their own desires, their own passions. Their marriage very soon was having serious, serious problems. They came to church for a while, soon after they were married with serious problems, and we were trying to counsel them, not very successfully at that step point at least, and not very successful. And I remember one time they told us how he had a pistol. He had threatened her during the night with his pistol, trying to resolve problems that way, which doesn't resolve anything, you know that. But anyway, then they had a little boy that named their Brainer. Brainer, Lillian's son Brainer. He was just small. He was just one of those cute little guys. 
uh, he, but as sharp as a tack. He was a very smart little boy. And, um, but he was, he was small when he was born. He was small the rest of his life. Um, but he was a cute little boy and a very smart, very smart little boy. I remember <laughs> one day his parents weren't coming to church then. I remember one day I went to visit Luis, which is his grandfather. They lived right beside Luis there. And I was, after talking with Luis, we had a word of prayer together. I put my arm around Luis, and we were sitting there praying. And all at once, I hear little Brainerd. He goes, oh. He was trying to figure out, this is just a cute story. It doesn't have much to do with the lesson. But I just remember it so well. He's just a little boy, and he said, oh. I think he thought, what are these men doing with their eyes closed? You know, sitting there with their eyes closed. Oh. And... Um, <laughs> I could hardly keep from grinning, but then I soon I heard him. He was going around us, Ooh. and I had my eyes closed, but I could just imagine him, you know, looking, Ooh. Ooh. and he was trying to get us to open our eyes. And before I finished my prayer, he actually came and pinched me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a fond member of the little boy. <laughs> but anyway, as time went on, another star I remember so well when Lillian and her husband Huang, we were trying to help them work through some serious problems, very serious problems, and. And, um, and her husband became very upset at Lillian, very upset that day, and to the point that he was almost dangerous. And he said, I'm leaving, and I'm leaving. And I was with them with my co-pastor, Antonio, which is her brother. Antonio was there with me, and we, we tried to help them. And at that stage, we recommended it was probably the best thing for him to do to, to, to leave a while. And so they loaded up. He got a bunch of his things and loaded up on the back of Tonya's pickup. Antonio was going to take him somewhere else. Lillian, I didn't think, minded very much that he was leaving. But what broke my heart, Tonya and I stood there beside the pickup and just cried. We stood there, just tears running down our cheeks. Because the little boys sat there, Brian, Anthony. The little boys sat there beside the road, crying. And the father was yelling, you decide who you want to go with. It's up to you. If you want to stay with mom, you can stay with mom. You want to come with me, you can come with me. And I don't know if Brainerd was seven, eight years old, just a little boy. And the little boy sat there beside the pickup on the bank, crying. Tonya and I stood there crying. Poor little boys. And I can't even tell you what they decided. I think they stayed with, stayed with Mom. Maybe one of them went with Wong, I forget that. But I remember that moment so well. We stood there, I just broke my heart. Tonya loved these little, little boys, especially, Brian, well, all of them, but Brian did. Tonya tried to help him. Tonya offered him to come to his house. After he was married, Tonya offered to adopt him and take him home like his son. But the little boy didn't want to do that. And Since he was smart, he was from a broken home. His parents, his father did come back again after some time, but the foam never, never did and still doesn't function very well. I will say this if I forget it. Lillian is going to a Pentecostal church now, so I commit that to the Lord. Things are not resolved between her and her husband, I know that. But as the story goes on, Lillian made some choices that we talked about, but the story I'd like to talk about now is Brainerd. He got into the wrong company. Some men from out near the big cities came out, and, and this can almost, it can make me upset men that have money and things. They used these little boys, and there were people that taught him to steal. He was small, he was smart, and he had a lot of nerve. He would do it. And the men would hide in the bushes or be in a car back in the distance, and they'd send him, and this little guy would go in and crawl into houses and break into houses and steal. 
And they'd, of course, give him a little money, and worse than that, they started giving him drugs. And it was sad to see this little boy that we loved so much and just broke Tonya's heart. And Tonya, at different times, said, Brian, if you come to me, come live in my house. I'll help you. Let's get out of this. But Brian did not listen to that. And he got involved in the world of drugs, sexual perversions, a lot of different things. It was so sad. About, um, oh, I don't know, two or three years ago then, we, Tonya offered to him and his cousins, there's a group of about four of them, said, if you don't have some Bible studies, we'll have Bible studies with you. I enjoy doing that. And Tonya had most of them, but he asked me to come help a few times. We sat down with these boys, and we studied the Bible. And you know those boys? Brian was sharp, and his, uh, Anthony, and Stuart, uh, Brian, and Jason. They'd sit down, and I'd study the Bible. And I remember so well when we did the study. We did a study on who God is. I have a series of studies I like to do, and Tonya uses them too. Who God is, what sin is. And, and uh, we did a study once on hell, and those boys were really interested. And they were asking questions. Really? Is this the way it is, you know? And, uh, but soon, the one that lost interest first was Brainerd, the oldest one. And Brainerd began to um, go back and get back. Tonya was so hopeful. We were so hopeful he might make a commitment. They might change. But he soon was going back to his old ways again. And so the Bible studies discontinued. They started making excuses. Oh, we don't have time. We have to do this. We have to do that. About a year ago, right, honey? A year, year and a half ago. He also was dealing in drugs. He started selling drugs. Brian, it did. And uh, he knew connections. He knew this is his problem. We think. We're not even sure what all happened. But I think he knew too much. He knew people who handled drugs. He knew there was a network of where they steal and they sell the things they steal. But about a year and a half ago in the night, they attacked at him with knives. And all, they left him laying on the, in, the, in the road in the middle of the night. They thought he was dead. But he was able to sort of revive and drug his way home the next morning. And I remember so well the next day I went, we went with a group of young people and we sang for him. Then I asked Brynett, I said, Brynett, if you would have died last night, where would you be today? And Brynett looked at me and said, I would be in hell. I know it. I said, Brynett, the Lord gave you another opportunity. Please, Brian, let's do something about it. And he told me, he says, yes, I need to. I need to. And I left there with hope. I thought he was going to. But you know, very soon, he was all cut up and beat up and had cuts and things. But soon after he started healing, he went back again, back again. It's about a year ago. And this part of the story here that I wasn't very involved, I didn't find out about it till afterwards, there was an evangelical Pentecostal church that were also witnessing to him, and he started going there for about a month or a few months. And he left drugs for about a month or two, and he left. There was this friend, there's this trashy place close to us. It's illegal. They sell drugs, and they have prostitutes there. It's illegal. It's a trashy place. And he left this company, and he was going to church a while. But there was this one young girl to talk about her because I have a burden for her too. She was a, like a young prostitute. And somehow besides being a prostitute, something developed between her and Brian, sort of a, a love. And um, she actually wanted to pull him away from the church and back into the old world again. 
how long is this, honey? Is it three months now? Two or three months? About two months ago, they were out late at night, the group of boys, and they were by a cemetery, and the, this evangelical Pentecostal pastor came out again and was talking to them and said, boys, please, seek the Lord. Do something. Get out of this world, because he was back, in, back into things again. And they say, they say the, he prayed with him. He prayed with the group of about four, three or four boys. And they say Brian had cried that night. But he turned around and went back to the bar and went back, and that night he was drinking. The next morning, he wasn't home. He didn't come home. The other boys went home. The other three went home. Brian had went back to the bar and was drinking again that night. The last people that saw him was around 1 or 1.30 in the morning. But anyway, he didn't come home the next morning. That wasn't very strange. That often happened. But when that would have been Friday, Saturday morning, Saturday all day went by and he didn't come home. And Sunday morning he still wasn't home. So his mother went to look for him. And she found him where they had murdered him and thrown him into a, into a creek, into a pool of water. His body was there and they found him. Tears you up. Tears you up. Tonya, his uncle, is still not over it. He has struggled with God. You know, why did God allow this to happen? But uh, we don't know. We don't know. But it tears me up. Because we loved the boy and we tried to help him. But his mother made some choices. He made some choices. There's another thing that I heard after his death. His back of his head is bashed in. After his death, another story that I, that I hadn't heard just about a few weeks before this. He told his family. He was with this thing about seeking the Lord or not. He said, well, he said, I, the Lord has to talk to me. The Lord has to speak to me and tell me clearly or, or I will not repent. A few days later, he came home and said, and they don't know what happened, but he came home and said, you know, God spoke to me. God spoke to me. I need to do something. And yet he didn't. And I think about a week later, he's gone. He's gone. Now, I know that's a dramatic story. And it weighs heavy. It weighs heavy when you've known a man and you loved him and you've tried to help him. Especially on Tonya's heart. He struggles emotionally. He's not been himself because of this. But anyway, what I'd like to encourage us tonight is to look at choices. The mother. What if the mother would have listened to the Lord and followed the Lord and waited on the Lord? The Lord would have given her. Well, let's just change the story. Let's look at Tonyo. Tonyo's from the same family. I knew Tonyo when he was out in the world drinking, carousing and running around. And I re he was never into drugs. But I remember one day I picked him up in my old Land Rover and I he was driving beside him, and I witnessed him. I said, Tonyo, you know, why don't you give your life to the Lord? He didn't say much. But it wasn't long after that, in some meetings, some revival meetings, he gave his life to the Lord. I had the opportunity of praying with him and leading him to the Lord. And <clears throat> He's had his struggles. But Tonyo is a man of God. Same family. Same situation. He's a man of God. And, um, Dad, you heard him preach at Teodolinda's 100th birthday. 
a man anointed with the Spirit of God. I was looking forward to preaching. She had asked me to preach at her funeral. And I don't know why. Only the Lord knows. Well, I know some reasons, I think. I was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania the day they buried her. And I could not be at her funeral. That was just Saturday, yesterday, a week ago. But on her birthday, they asked Tonyo, which is her grandson, to preach. And he basically preached the message that she asked me to preach on her funeral. And it was an anointed message. And so many times when I hear Tonyo preach, I sit there and I look at him and I say, Tonyo, where do you get this wisdom? I say he's like Abraham Lincoln. He has this common sense wisdom. And he's much more than Abraham Lincoln. He's anointed with the Spirit of God. He's given some teaching. It's wonderful. And, and, the, and yet he's from, he struggles sometimes. I can see it go over his face when certain things happen. And he remembers his past. Because in the town of Chichagua, he was looked, their family was looked at as the lowest family. And looked down. And, and he can sometimes feel, I'm not worth anything. I'm just trash. I can see it go over his face. I know him well enough when certain things happen. He remembers that. And he says, I'm just trash. I'm no good. But it's not true. He's a man of God. He's given his life to the Lord, and the Lord uses him in blessing. Such a tremendous man. I've told him I can die. He can go on in my place. I have no problem with that. Choices. Lillian's choices and Antonio's choices. Now, Antonio has a daughter. She's 13 or 14. And she's in the valley of choice right now. She's got some pretty strong influences from the one side of the family. Pretty strong influence to go the wrong way. And of course, we're there praying for her. And her parents are talking. Just the other day, Claire asked me to come pray for her. And I put my hands on her and I prayed for her. She's in the valley of decision. And I'm praying that she'll decide right. Because 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, choices are important. Another interesting thing, I put Maria Felix there and Brian. I could tell you about Maria Felix, I won't, about her wedding and some things. But anyway, she has a son, Brian, that was also in wrong company. He has been sort of separating himself. And just the day before I left, I went to see him again. These boys were all very impacted by the death of Brian. And I asked him, I said, oh, he came to church a few times. So I asked Brian, I said, Brian, would you like to seek the Lord? If you want to seek the Lord, I'm here to help you. I want to do all I can to help you. So I have an agreement with him, and he said yes, that when I get back, we're going to start Bible studies with Brian. I can't with Brianet anymore. Brianet is gone. But Brian is there. You know, if Brian makes the right choices like Tonyo did, it can make a world of a difference in his life and his descendants' life. A story. A story of youth and choices. And you know, young people, we're all uh, facing choices, decisions we make. And decisions have long-term effects. In 1 Peter, chapter 3, Verse 10, it says, For he that will love life and see good days. That's what we all want, right? Love life and see good days. 
He that would, will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Choices we make. Do you want a good life? Make the right choices. Make the right choices. So young people, I don't know if any of you are any, at a position of making choices or not right now. But as life moves on, just remember choices are important. And think, make the right choices. And again, I'd like to discourage you to think. To not just follow what other people do, but stop and think. And think on long term. Think of your grandchildren. Think of the long term effect of what can be. Another young man right here, Brian's brother, a steward. His one brother has gone to the Pentecostal church and is, was baptized a few weeks ago. Uh, he's, I'm half hopeful for him, but a steward. I went out and picked his wife up from the hospital when he was born and brought him home, and I've known him ever since a little boy. But I'm afraid Stuart is returning. I'm afraid it's, his heart is going back. I want to keep in touch with him. But anyway, choices, choices. Now, none of us are, maybe, I don't think any of us are making quite the situation they're in. It's a dramatic story, I know. It's very dramatic. But it just teaches us the importance of choices we make and the results at last. And I just encourage you to think about choices and the results on long term. We should think about the long run and not just on the gratification of my desires and my pride right now. Right now. I forgot to ask you, Brother Leon, what time do you go on Sunday mornings? I forgot to ask you that. Somewhere 12. Okay. Why don't we take a break? Brother Joe, would you lead us in 467? And I'm going to sit down and take a little break, and you stand up and take a break. 467. <laughs>